0: Hi, everybody. Welcome into another edition, episode 108 of the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast. Great to have everybody in today on the audio side, Apple, Google, Spotify, and on YouTube, the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast page to watch full episodes. It's great to have you aboard if you are indeed watching. We do appreciate that. Episode 108, lots to do today, talking our main topic coaching amateur hitters. At the end of the show, too, we're going to do a little breakdown, not so much a mechanical breakdown series, but a little bit of a breakdown of one of F students as it pertains to today's topic. And we've got some other stuff to get to as well. So let me bring in professional evaluator, successful business owner, former coach, friend, and co-host, Jake Epstein.
1: Hi, Jim. It's great to be here again. Well, you
0: know, this, this new streaming service that we're using is great. And I'll tell you why, because with your pause right there, if we were on Zoom, I would have thought that something yeah. cut out. Yeah.
1: Not today, though. Not today. Fingers, fingers crossed.
0: No. Good internet, although your browser was a little. Yeah. A little hay-
1: yeah. I'm running out of juice on this old Mac here. Yeah. Might be see, time for an upgrade.
0: Time for an upgrade, my friend. You know who else um, is going to get an upgrade on his contract at the end of the year? Aaron Judge. You might as well just hand the Yankees a blank check and say, here you go. Please. Please write it to the <laughs> Right in a figure, and I'll discuss it with my agent. Uh, Buster Olney tweeted this this morning as we record this on a Saturday. Aaron Judge hit two home runs last night on Friday night against the Kansas City Royals. He's on pace, Aaron Judge, according to Buster Olney in 2022, to hit 66 home runs, 178 total hits, 79 walks, 135 runs, 143 RBIs. And editorially, I'm adding this part in. He's going to make a lot of money
1: gonna make a lot of money and he he deserves a lot of money I mean he he really hasn't had a terrible year he's had a down year or two but he really hasn't had a terrible year and now he's you know it comes with age too and experience and pitches he's not missing as many he's not fouling off nearly as many pitches than I remember over the past few years and that's why he's doing well you know pitches that he gets to hit that he typically would foul back, you know, if it was a high fastball or a fastball in, he foul back and have a great, you know, swing on, if you will, great miss. That he's getting barrel to those now, and so I mean, if you do that, I always tell my players, if take ten of those foul balls you had, ten of those cookies that you fouled straight back, or that you fouled up into the right, you know, whatever. Whether you relate, not sure you relate, but you dropped your barrel for sure what if we take those pitches and we hit the ball hard somewhere what if we hit a double or a home run on those like that's a that's a difference maker and it's not like those are tough pitches those are your pitch like you got to be able to hit your pitch he's hitting his pitches and he's hitting some other pitches i saw jeff fry said something like i don't know you know whatever judge is fun to watch blah 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 but why do you keep throwing him fastballs you know why do you keep throwing him pitches he can he can hit well pitchers aren't trying to throw cookies (laughs) right? They're missing spots. That's what it is. Pitchers aren't that good. And there's other people in the lineup that can hurt you. So they can't just pitch around them all the time. Like they could bonds that didn't really have any help. So he's in a spot now where he's not, he's not missing those mistakes. They're not trying to throw him a thigh high fastball or, you know, on the outer third of the plate, they're probably trying to throw something, you know, a a ball off the plate or maybe under his hands and they missed and he made them pay for it. So, um, you know, I don't think it's the, the, the pitchers that are just saying here you go I think it's him being a good hitter and hitting mistakes right now
0: and that lineup is about to be bolstered too and he's going to help out with um, Mm -hmm. with that and and of course the addition of Andrew Benatendi will certainly help and Aaron Judge in particular more protection it will help out the Yankees order Andrew Benatendi just picked up from the Kansas City Royals this past week Uh, prior to the trade deadline he just sort of Walked over, changed his clothes, walked right over from the Royals clubhouse to um, the Yankees clubhouse. Andrew the first thing I've noticed about his swing when I saw him at Arkansas, when I saw that he was drafted by the Red Sox and throughout the minor leagues, watching some film on him was that I always, it, what stuck out to me was his lower half and his flat swing. I always loved the way his lower half worked, he gained ground force, and he had a very Flat swing. I think he's gotten away from that in the last couple of years. This year, though, he seemingly has gotten back to it. I've got some numbers that backs that up. But I just want to hear from you what you see with Andrew Benatendi and his swing.
1: Well, he's, yeah. I mean, he's not a big guy, right? He's 5'9", 180 pounds, something like that. Uh, was he a Golden Spikes winner? I mean, he was unbelievable. Yeah, played,
0: played at Arkansas. Yeah, yeah
1: at Arkansas and, and was a College World Series guy and all that. And he's, he's another guy that just never really had a terrible year. He's not a guy that hits a lot of home runs. Right. I don't know what his career high is, maybe 15 to 20. I don't know if he ever hit – did he ever hit 20 home runs? Um, you know, he's just kind of a higher-on-base percentage guy, not a high-slugging percentage guy. So, you know, he fits in that Yankee lineup because he doesn't strike out as much and he gets on base and he can beat shifts. And I think that's a pretty good compliment to all the people that will surround him. They certainly he doesn't fit in that lineup as a guy that's going to just drop a bomb at any time. You know, most of the guys in that lineup on any pitch can hit a ball over the fence. Ben Attendi isn't that guy but he is a guy that can spray the ball the other way, and he can break up a lineup that's possibly full of strikeouts, and yeah. that could be good. If he could find a way to scratch a, scratch a, a hit through or, or walk, and then one of the big boppers can come up, then it's going to be, be beneficial to that lineup, and that would be my guess. Otherwise, it's a, a defense. You know, They're looking for somebody that can fill in defense and outfield role mm-hmm. later in the game. Um, but I don't see, you know, he's not like a front line pickup. I don't think he's a, a difference maker in terms of he's going to carry your team into the playoffs because they have a lineup full of people that will carry their team in the playoffs. I think he's a supporting role, a veteran guy that's been in the postseason before and they can plug him into any outfield spot. He's going to play good defense. He's going to have quality at bats and should be able to help him out. I'm not sure who they gave up for for him, but well, I
0: you know, I, I have to I have to tell you though, with Benatendi, he was on a lot of people's radars and he was he a was. player that was expected if he were to go to take the Yankees out of the equation for a second, but if you mm. were to go to say Minnesota, if you were go were to go to a, a Houston, go to a San Francisco, one of these teams, the Cardinals, one of these teams that is in the wild card hunt or in the division hunt and has a real shot to make the postseason, I think teams looked at him as a real difference maker.
1: They did. I. I don't know. Uh, that's as the dude would say in the Big Lebowski. That's like your opinion, man. And <laughs> I. I, I, don't, I. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of a difference maker. I don't. I don't think I'd build a franchise around him. Okay.
0: So. so where I mean, do you bat can, him in the Yankee what, order then? Because you, you said he's a lot of big boppers and and
1: you put him in between guys that strike out a lot. Okay. Right. You, you put him in between the high strikeout guys so that you can. Hopefully get get through an inning. You know, if you have a rough stretch of guys that are getting beat, you know, you can kind of get through an inning. So yeah. that's where I'd plug him in. And I'm I might be totally wrong, and I probably am, but
0: that's my line. But Benet- Ben attendee's
1: never been a sexy guy for me. He's just a no. guy that plays the game hard. Yeah, he's a good quality player. Yeah. he hits 300. You know, he hits anywhere from I don't know 280 to 310. I think he's hitting 320 this year because he's playing in Kansas City, and nobody cares, and there's no pressure. I don't know.
0: All right, so hope is not a big bet. I anything. hope he goes out, I hope, I I hope he goes know, out the
1: second half and hits 15 jacks and 40 RBIs. His,
0: really uh, to your point, in 2017, he played in a career-best 151 games, hit a career-best 20 home runs. Now, with his swing, I'm going to throw out a couple of more numbers at you. I like doing this. His launch angle this year, here we go, the lowest of his career at 11.2 his batting average in the upper three quadrants of the zone in 2022 combined 396 that tells 96. me i'll get your i'll get your opinion on this in a second tells yeah. me though he's flattened out his swing his swing got way too steep in the last couple of years which is why he struggled and he's gotten back to being that gap-to-gap type hitter that you talked about just a couple of seconds ago
1: there and there's there's an, that's good very good information jim Thank and you. that's very oh you know, that's really good information and and that tells you why they they got him because now all of a sudden, when they face guys with high spin rates that are trying to ex- exploit all the power hitters up, here's a guy that can stay on top of hitting 400 up in the zone, 390 something. Like,
0: yeah, yeah I mean, that's
1: yeah. that's pretty awesome. That's Sal Freelich, baby.
0: That is that's
1: Sal the Man. That's Sal our man guy. Can handle that pitch,
0: right? <laughs> but,
1: yeah, no, for, for that makes that makes more sense. And I hope he's on the. And maybe that's why his. Is, is, is as a as a player, he was trending up, is because he has made adjustments. I haven't seen him play all year, primarily because the the Royals don't get on TV. They get on TV about as much yeah. as the Rockies do.
0: Right, um, and, and I'm not an MLB. So. I'm not
1: sitting there and watching games all the time. So right, because you hate um, baseball. Unless no no, if it's the, if it's <laughs> the Brewers, I'll, I'll I, I I have
0: to watch. I always joke with people I hate baseball. It's a stupid. It's, sport. You,
1: sit, you sit and watch it. That's right. It's to work. Yeah, but no that's so, really good information Joe. like i'm i'm pretty fired up
0: um also too with ben Attendi, though um he's hitting this season and we talked about this on the show before like hitting a, getting a fastball not missing that fastball he's hitting 332 against the fastball this year mm-hmm. 2022 his previous high was in 2018 that batting average hitting against the fastball was 299 so again Previous mm-hmm. high two ninety nine. This year against the fastball, he's hitting three thirty two. He's just not missing pitches, mm-hmm. but he has the mechanics. I think that he's uh, and is that flat type swing to where it's it's tough for him to miss those type pitches.
1: He must have definitely made an adjustment, yeah, to handle those pitches and to make to make those changes. So that's pretty cool. That's good to see.
0: We're and it sure plays to... in New York. Right. Let's not
1: forget about that. Like New York is a good hitter's ballpark. You can have a very flat swing and hit a lot of home runs to right center in new yeah. york so maybe that fits into the equation as well
0: uh be sure to subscribe to the podcast apple google spotify and all the other platforms that we're on and of course our youtube page which continues to grow very slowly but it's growing the lab epstein hitting podcast youtube page so you can watch watch us two good looking men maybe do that's a problem oh, no. <laughs> that's we, have, right. we
1: have phases for, for radio
0: I <laughs> speak for yourself i have a ring light now <laughs> so Andrew Benatendi his uh, exit velocity also dropped a little bit in 2022 it dropped seven tenths of a point Um, but he's still striking out at the lowest percentage of his career now that brings me to this guy his name is Josh Bell of the Washington Nationals infielder his exit velocity is down a whole three points from where it was last year and just in his career in general, but it's down a whole three points from last year. His strikeout percentage, Josh Bell, is down a total of four percentage points, the lowest of his career at 13.5. So both Ben Attendee and Josh Bell having great years. And Josh Bell, I'm, I'm assuming he will be traded, and he's going to be a good piece yeah. for somebody to pick up, good complimentary piece for somebody to pick up. And the Nationals should get something for him that, um, that would help them go into their, their future. But the exit velocity, um, I'm wondering, with those numbers that I just mentioned, I'm I'm starting to get curious as to whether or not maybe exit velocity is losing a little bit of its importance across baseball because now we're seeing hitters like a Ben like a Josh Bell, sacrificing that exit velocity, but they're striking out less and they're having a little bit more success against the shift.
1: Just another quality dig of quality information, Jim.
0: Thank you. The ring light,
1: you've been been really working.
0: It's the ring light, I'm telling you. I mean, it's just when the lights go on, man. You
1: you need to be on uh, Nesson one day, on what Nesson New England Sports Network. You need to be like the Red Sox
0: broadcaster. Why, why Nesson? Why not? What do you have? What do you have for me on Josh Bell?
1: Oh, that we were talking about.
0: Actually, so the Nationals and uh, the Orioles, it would be Masson. You know, because it goes. Math, that's Josh the one I'm thinking of.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry, that's the one. Mid Atlantic, yeah. Mid Atlantic. Okay, Mid-Atlant, right. So, so,
0: Josh Bell, yes, in the going velocity. on this
1: fantastic information you just Thank brought you. out. In yeah. order to hit a ball, all the sarcasm. <laughs> at peak, no, it's 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 really great. Um, peak velocity. You have to have some bat speed, but mm-hmm. you have to match planes perfectly, or be you know an eighth of an inch off of the center of the ball. so... So, typically when you hit balls really, really hard, you're hitting hard ground balls. Okay, hard ground balls are the hardest balls typically stack cats will ever pick up. So, meaning because the ball is coming down at like four or five degrees and you hit the ball at four or five degrees, which is like a one-hop laser ground ball typically. Okay, so that would be a, you know, if you look at the hardest hit balls, they're typically up the middle, but like towards the shortstop side or second baseman side, to the pull side on the ground. That's true with every tracking device on the planet right now. Hit tracks, Repsoto, Soto, Flights Go, Trackman, you go to anything, the hardest hit balls are hard ground balls. When you can hit balls harder in the air, well, that's a special thing, but it's always less. So if Josh Bell rolled over a lot of balls, if he was swinging up a little bit more, which, again, not a terrible thing, and he was maybe top spinning some of those pole side ground balls, He may have been hitting them really hard. And so his exit velocity said, wow, this guy's hitting the ball hard. But he's not getting on base or he's making outs. where now maybe he's or he's missing pitches. So instead of hitting a hard ground ball or, or instead of hitting a line drive, now he's hitting a hard ground ball or he's striking out by swinging under a pitch. So that doesn't count. A strikeout does not count as a ball in play or exit velocity number. Okay, they only count balls in play. So maybe now he's flattened out a little bit. I don't know. But maybe if he did flatten out a little bit and he's creating a little bit more backspin, some people think flattening out means you're going to hit ground balls more. But it's it's, it's actually just the opposite. If you flatten out or start swinging down too much, you're typically going to cut pop up straight up. So your launch angle will actually get higher um, because you're hitting through the bottom half of the ball. You're a little bit more. So what happens when we cut a, cut a ball up and maybe his swing more because he doesn't have to come up. What happens is when we drop our barrel, we have to correct it. Okay. It's like a golfer that comes from the inside too much has to flip their wrist to fix it. So there's always for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So yeah. if we drop our barrel, we usually don't keep it there and miss the ball by four or five inches. We'll flip our wrists up to try to catch, uh, try to catch up to it. And that's what leads to that hard ground ball to the pull side sometimes. So when we don't do that and we're we're kind of cutting through it, which that Soto, I think I put it on the Twitter page again, the Soto Home Run Derby. I mean, who takes a home run derby swing at that level. Like no one in the history, except for Juan Soto. And it was captured, which was so great because it was more like a game swing than a home run derby swing. Yeah. But when you flatten off, a lot of times your exit velocity goes down because you're not necessarily hitting the middle of the ball. You're hitting more the bottom of the ball. So it'll launch higher but it'll launch at four or five miles an hour less than that hard ground ball, even though it ends up in the seats. So what could possibly happen be happening is he's swinging a little bit flatter. He's hitting the bottom half of the ball more. His exit velocity is down because fly balls and higher line drives have less exit velocity than hard ground balls. You could also make the case that he maybe he used to swing down a lot. And maybe he used to swing down so much that he hit the top of the ball all the time and had a really high exit velocity. I don't think that's the case because I don't see that at the major league level or even the minor league level anymore. But that could be another scenario where he was chopping down, hitting hard ground balls, and now he's getting to the bottom half of the ball more. So in conclusion, (laughs) that was the longest dictation ever. In conclusion, he is likely hitting more balls in the air. You can look this up although you never know balls in play can okay. the whole exit the whole launch angle thing is screwy because it's 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 only balls in play you know it's not foul balls and it's it's not swinging and missing so yeah. i'm assuming he's more of his hits more of his balls in play are in the air than on the ground and that's why his exit velocity is slightly lower
0: yeah it's screwy Louie. it is Email the show, JimboPodcast21 at gmail.com if you'd like that same disortation. Disorientated spiel. Good information (laughs) in there, though. um, You as well. Good job. Thank you very much for that. Now, let's get into our main topic today. Episode 108, Coaching Amateur Hitters. You've coached amateurs. You've coached college guys which are also amateurs we get to a college swing with student of yours he is an amateur player mini breakdown uh, towards the end of the show uh but you've coached amateurs college guys top level amateur guys and of course professional guys um i want to read a quote from the book mental side of hitting your dad's mm-hmm. book your book as well came out in 2004 you'll like this he said quote your father mike epstein we didn't want to wait We want instant offense. Timeless quote. We don't want to wait for anything in America nowadays in our world. We want instantaneous satisfaction. Put it in the microwave. Just like that quote. Yeah, put it in the microwave. That's right. Yeah.
1: So I take pride not in, I mean, I take pride in in every player I work with, but Mm -hmm. what really fuels me is, when I work with kids at a young age, nine, or if they're online. So I'll take players online that are seven, eight, nine years old. Typically I'll work with players, you know, at 10 if they have good attention span. But what really fuels me is those 10 year olds when they're still playing at 18, 19, 20, even sixteen, because everybody plays at age 10, right? Everybody plays at age 10. And I would say at least, Three-quarters of the players that I see or meet at age 10 don't have mechanics that will allow them to play in high school.
0: Glad you brought that but, up. I, I do want to ask, when do you incorporate, what age do you start to incorporate good mechanics? Because we've talked about if you're, you have bad mechanics, and you're going to suffer. We talked about it last week. You're going to suffer yeah, for it later on in your, in your offensive career. So what age do you start? So
1: in the online academy, I probably have a dozen kids that are mm-hmm. seven or eight years old. Yeah. And have done absolutely amazing. In fact, one of them is a, a listener that writes in once in a while that we should definitely do a, a video analysis of his son. I've never um, gotten
0: that person's email, Jimbo Podcast21 at gmail.com. So I don't we know. We have what...
1: we've talked we we've talked about it once.
0: Oh, it's not that other jerk off, is it? That just no. constantly no, not him.
1: No. We don't talk we don't talk like that, Jim. <laughs> it's a family show.
0: Yeah, sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I'm not sure. Anyway.
0: At, at the executive producer.
1: Yes, apparently I'm yeah. taking on a new role in a new hat. But yes, I mean, I have kids that are seven, eight years old and in three weeks of just doing the drills and I just give them a very basic plan. Look, you're seven. Do this one thing all year. Like that's all I care about. Just so we don't have to deal with it when you're 12 or 13 or 14. And it's amazing how the young kids that really want to work. I mean, that's not easy. There's not a lot of. 8 year olds that want to go in the garage and and take swings, you know, maybe 3 days a week. But the ones that do amazing. Like ama- it's so much easier to learn at that age. So that's why I like to start young. I don't necessarily like, you know, working an hour with a 9 year old because their attention span doesn't work. But 30 minutes of high quality, you know, attention and instruction or doing it on their own with their dad for maybe 5 or 10 minutes a day, that's all it takes is gold like that's the beauty of the online academy um for the the younger players it's like you can just do it on your own you can get feedback you're not spending an hour having to pay for an hour worth of instructor time where your kid you know might be chasing butterflies for a little bit they're zoned in for 10 or 15 minutes and you you give them the information and then they send it to me and i i say wow this is great or let's work on this a little bit more and then they get excited because you know this voice from beyond that knows stuff uh, apparently is telling me i'm i'm doing great and so there's this this sense of accomplishment from you know an eight or nine year old and they want to please that person right they want they want me to to look at their swing and see their progress and sometimes that pays more dividends positive talk uh positive uh affirmation with with players you know if you just sit there and tear up everything that they're doing when they're eight years old well that player's never going to pick up a bat again so there's there's definitely a way to do that the right way but that's what it is young working with a young player from the time there I just posted one I had a kid from um, San Diego come out was it last week Jack came out so Jack I don't know I did some lessons when he was like eight or nine and then I saw him again in California when he was like 10 or 11 and then boom you know we did some online stuff they'd send me videos you know a couple times a year just to spot check all of a sudden he shows up he's big and strong and he's gonna be a junior in high school and I'm like, oh, what's up, buddy? Like, it's been a long time. Have you, uh," you know, he's hitting the ball hard. I'm like, have you, you get any college interest? He's like, yeah, I've I've committed to University of San Diego. I'm like, thanks for sharing the information. But that's the best. Like, I took a picture with him when he was 10 years old, when we were working out at like Cal State Fullerton. You know, they let me use their cages. I was out there on vacation and I worked with a couple of the California guys, you know, that I've known. And boom, now all of a sudden the kid's going to go to college and, and continue. So that's what I like the most. Trust me, I like working college players fly in like, you know, um, Reagan Paulina just came in and we'll look at his swing here at the end, you know, great kid, really like Jimmy T Jr. Honestly,
0: left-handed batter. Yes. As handsome as I am. Left-handed
1: batter, smooth, great hair. Handsome. Good, good personality.
0: Reagan Paulina, 2024. It sounds like a, a a political, um,
1: I'm sure he'll be on, on your list just because you guys, although he's a, he's a right-hand thrower, right-hand okay. thrower. He's an infielder, but
0: okay.
1: those guys are fun, right? I mean, they're, they're athletic. They can, they can do things, but taking somebody you don't know uh, a 10 year old player that I don't know where you're going to be, but let's put you in the right positions for the next couple of years and see what your work ethic is like, see what your diet is like. And if you fill out and and now all of a sudden we see really cool things. So, this is the most
0: important for amateur players. Like, so part is, of the like, so so part of the setting in some of these um, some of these principles that you're talking about is progression. What kind of what example do you have of a yeah. good progression that you can incorporate from for a young kid, both fundamentally and um, psychologically, from the time that they start getting serious about hitting, somewhat serious with mechanics, thirty minutes a day, as you mentioned, at the age of eight or nine years old, all the way up until. Reagan Paulina, for example, one of your students, um, who's in college. Yeah.
1: Progressions, progression. So, yeah. and it becomes part of their routine. The progression becomes part of the routine. Mm-hmm. So with a young kid that is just working, I, I take one thing, I look at their swing and I evaluate it and I say, okay, typically young kids move. Okay. You know, their lower body's okay. Cause it's natural. If you look at old stickball pictures of kids in the streets of New York, yeah. or Dominicans, Venezuelans, whatever you know, five, six-year-old kids, a lot of times their footwork and their lower body is very good, mm. and so that's usually the case. If you have a kid step, take a stride, it's going to be okay, yeah. um, unless you teach them something weird or unless they're opposite handed because they play catch. They throw things, they throw rocks. Hopefully they throw snowballs, they throw things like that. And when you step and throw in a throwing motion, it's very similar to a stride when we're hitting. So I'll figure out, okay, this is what we're going to do. Johnny eight-year-old, I want you to do bottom hand drills. Very basic. We're not going to use our legs. And this is what the academy is made for, by the way, is progression. Cause I say, I want you to do this drill, this drill, this drill, this many reps. Mm -hmm. So here's your bottom hand drill. I want you to do 20 of those. I want you to do 20 with the top hand, that one's dicey. Okay, that one can go either way, sometimes I remove that and then 20 with two hands. And then maybe we'll do like a 50% swing to contact, something like that. And then I have them video those. I have the dad or mom video those swings to make sure they're doing it correctly and they're typically not. So after a couple of days, they send me swings of the videos and it's not correct. So they've only taken a couple hundred. I say, okay, we're doing okay here, but you need to work on this, this, and this more to master those swings. Then a few days later, they send me a swing. Okay, now we're better. Then I'll get them to take a few hundred of those over the next couple of weeks. And then I'll slowly implement more advanced moves. So my my online academy is like my own brain in regular lessons. I'm going to give somebody something until they master it. You've reached mastery on your footwork. Now we're going to do something more difficult. Okay, your bottom hand looks good. Now we're going to go to the top hand. Your top hand looks good. We'll go to two hands. Sometimes those are week-long segments between bottom hand and top hand. Sometimes they're three swing segments. So we have a start and we have a finish. How quickly we move along that road depends on the player's competency level. So where somebody like Paulina that was just in, I taught him how to do this. Within five or six swings, he was able to do it. And then I gave him something more difficult and then it would be tough for him and I'd go back and then I'd go forward and then he would master it. And then yada, 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 we moved through mechanics and then we're working on timing and we're working on rhythm and we're working on the mental side and we're working on taking a certain portion of the the plate and attacking that portion and taking everything else. We're working on that. So I would say from beginning to end, we start with bottom hand drill. (laughs) That's probably the easiest most basic, most fundamentally important move. And then it finishes with pitch selection. You know, it finishes with with uh, plate discipline. And then we just figure out how long we get there. And in the process, I have all my players do their warm-up routine of bottom hand, five bottom hand, five top hand, five two hand with no legs, couple contact drills, and then boom, let it rip. And that's their warm-up, whether they're 10 years old or whether they're 25 years
0: how how do you utilize tech now? Well, you know, I see on social media and, and I, I see it on splashed on all these websites of, of academies that people have that are similar to yours. Certainly mm-hmm. they don't they don't hold up. They're not on your level. And I do mean that um very seriously, um because they're not as detail oriented as you, but they're very detailed in the technology that they use right away. Their oh, are yeah. websites, their are social media platforms, they have everything. Uh, everything, everybody does drill in slow
1: motion, right?
0: Everything's outlined and, and, and talked about that has to do with technology. It's all tech, yeah. tech, 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 tech. It yeah. has to be a balance there. How do you balance that? How do you utilize tech with coaching amateur hitters?
1: I use it in the very beginning. So I figure out, um, what they're doing. So I know, I know what I want to look for with the tech, whether it's yeah. uh, a K vest, whether it's a, a, hit tracks or a launch monitor, or whether it's, uh, a, 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 a blast motion sensor right what the bats doing so the blast kind of tells me if there's a weird video kind of tells me everything just because i've been using it for so long i can look at video and be like your bat vertical angle is bad or it's good your attack angle is good or bad because i've just seen so much video where if you put that on the kid will be like oh the number's 15 it needs to be 10 at that location. So it makes it easier. So what I'll do is I'll do that to help explain what we're going to work on with the player. Okay, we just took 30 swings. Your average attack angle was 15 degrees. Your average attack angle needs to be eight. Your vertical bat angle on high pitches was 25. It needs to be probably closer to 20 or the teens. Um, Whatever, I see a wrist roll going on here and you hit 50% ground balls and you hit uh, 25 line drives and 25% um, fly ball. So we're taking all this data and then I explain it. Well, you sure hit a lot of ground balls, didn't you? Yeah, yeah yep. I, I do. That's usually my miss is a ground ball. Well, look at your attack angle. What causes a ground ball? And usually they'll say, well, usually I'll you know, swing down or just at the top of it. Okay, well, you're definitely hitting the top of it, but you never swung down. In fact, you were swinging up too much. If we look at the blast numbers, so now we're comparing blast. You swing up too much, and all, and you also hit too many ground balls. Well, that's like the worst combination ever. Okay. Do you also foul balls back behind you? Yeah, all the time. Foul balls back behind me when I'm. So now I'm creating a plan. Okay, I know how to do that. Like I, I'm gonna let the ball get deep. I have little drills where they have to flight the ball down to right and then flight it up to left with the same swing plane without manipulating things. So I move along that process and then I'll recheck it. Okay, let's take another 30 swings. You know, this is a few days later, a couple months later. It could be, um, you know, it depends off if it's a state player in for the week or if it's somebody that's local. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, now you're 50% line drives and 25% ground balls and fly balls. Okay, awesome. So that's a big difference there. What does our blast look like? Well, now your swing plane is flat or you're closer to eight degrees instead of, you're eight to 10 instead of 15 to 20. Okay, good. So that's a great adjustment. That's how I use tech. Yeah. I'm not going to go crazy. And cause here's the deal with tech. It takes time. So all I see with instructors and I'm going to rant a little bit here is I see yes. video after video posting of a kid taking a swing this fast with bands and all what the, f-? that's not game repeatable. Like your body doesn't learn that way. Like you're, your body can learn slow, but if you that's all they do is these slow moves, and then they're like, okay, here comes the 70-mile-an-hour fastball. I'll do that same thing. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. I saw somebody saying something about, oh, look at that backside release. All it was was Freddie Freeman in the torque position. My dad did that with VHS tapes. Look, his hips are leading his hands. Like, it's not a godsend. Do you think he does drills in slow motion where he twists and turns his body? No. He's just an athlete. Like, we can teach players to do it without breaking it into – I'm a big fan of breaking it into parts. Like, let's work on the upper body. Let's work on the lower body. But for God's sake. Well, what's
0: ironic – sorry to cut you off. uh, Your rant was great. But what's ironic is that people are doing these drills very slow, and they're trying to show off how they're doing the drills slowly. But the point of the drills is to actually make you a better athlete and a better hitter in the box. And by doing that, to become better, you have to be quicker. That's what's yeah. ironic about it. So they're going you know what, slow they, on drills that are designed to make you be quicker.
1: So <laughs> I mean, so I why? buy in. I buy in 100%. If they showed this 12-year-old kid uh, before, okay, taking a swing, Yeah, I bet their back hip moved. Just saying. I bet it moved when they took a swing. They showed him before. Then they show them doing slow motion swings for four years or whatever the hell they do. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's how they draw out their lessons. Like, I don't want to see players all the time. I'm a crappy instructor if I have to see you every week, Right? okay? I'm not preying on people, you should come back next week. It's like, okay, let's do this, send me a video, do some drills at home, let's come back in a couple of weeks if we're good. After I do four or five hours with a player, they should be pretty good. I should be able to see them once a month, once every other month, unless something goes wrong. I shouldn't be, oh, I have a standing reservation with Jake every single week. You know, If you're doing that with an instructor, that's probably not good. You know, an individual lesson every week, and you're still working on the same thing. Probably not the best instructor.
0: And okay? a waste of a that's, lot of money.
1: And that's how we do the lab. Like the lab, those our guys, are our, our instructors there will do a lesson with a guy maybe once a month. But those guys will come in for the group training, where we're throwing sliders at them, we're throwing fastballs at them, right? We're throwing high pitches, we're throwing low pitches, and now the instructors can know what to address during individual time. But you never know unless you put them in that environment. So. Anyway, that's the thing. I just, I feel like everybody is remarketed, and I'm kind of sick of it because everything my dad said in 1998, like with the hips lead the hands, but now you have to like create tension in slow motion to do it. And it's like, no, you don't like keep your front shoulder down longer when your foot lands. Boom. You have pork. Let's not get crazy. Paulina over here was hitting. He's 180 pounds. Mm -hmm. He's not huge. He's hitting balls over 100 miles an hour. BP balls with a wood bat. Like, guess what? He creates separation. Like, he keeps his front shoulder down at heel plant. Great. Like, I didn't do any crazy things to increase, you know, his hip flexion. So, what I see is I see those players. They come into my academy, the online stuff, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you're just twisting. Like, there's no fluidity to the swing your hips are stopping two frames before contact. Like it's just, it becomes messy. So anyway, I didn't mean to get off on a, on a rant, but let the kids hit, you know, let let the kids hit a little bit more. You know, slow motion is really great for something. I, I bet I, I have some of my players do when we're warming up and we're doing bottom hand and top hand and they're at 50 or 60%, but the whole robotic movements has got to stop and the reason it has to stop is because turn on the tv nobody looks like a robot you know maybe donaldson when he's showing things like in slow motion i don't think he does that anymore but like when he swings it's still it's smooth like nobody's getting crazy with you know the shoulders and the front shoulder coming way up and the the wrists and the bat like this all the time can't see it anymore it's hurting it's hurting the hurting the players that's all i have to say i'm sorry you can edit that out if you want to
0: oh no 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 that's staying in In fact that's going to be one of the uh segments in on the lineup card on the youtube side if you haven't subscribed you should you can watch ep doing that rant um the lab epstein hitting podcast youtube page it'll be in the lineup card Um, i also want to
1: address i i got a response from the
0: teacher man Cause I posted Uh-oh. a clip of judge, um, wait, could I, uh, before we get to, before we get yeah. to that, cause I actually, to be honest with you guys listening yeah. and gals, I don't, I didn't know that he got, Jake got a response. So he's going off in a direction that, I that I don't know. I just did this morning. Notwithstanding. That's okay. You can go off on it. This is a podcast. This is no, but I'm do. not going, uh, there's no
1: reason to go out. I'm just saying I got a re- response oh, and I'm going to have one more question
0: about our topic, but, uh, go
1: person. Um, so I won't ever engage in that. And I don't have a problem with anything that, you know. I mean, Richard does some stuff, but if his players perform, I don't care. Um, I will say that some of his stuff I, I do really like um, in terms of his uh, rhythm and, and and the things that he teaches. Uh, and all I put on the, the tweet was, Aaron Judge looks fantastic. Check out his knob path on this home run that he hit. That's much different than what I saw a couple of years ago. And then he fired back and said, well, why don't you call me if you want to find out what he's doing? So maybe I will ask him what he's doing, but whatever he's doing is great. And if Richard's the one that taught it to him, great. I wasn't the one that taught it to him. I was just observing what he was doing and noticed that it was much different because that's what I do. So, Mm -hmm. you know, but that's the game of hitting is let's get confrontational. Um, no, Why well, get confrontational
0: agree. when you can just listen to the lab Epstein. Do podcast. what you do,
1: man. Hey, that's if what you that, taught judge to get his knob out in front more, which I've never seen in any of your, you know, drill videos, but if you taught him to do that, then I am on board. I am okay. 100% on board for him to do that. I'm just making you notice that this looks different. Like he's not nearly as tight with his upper body as he was before. So anyway, well,
0: if uh, Mr. Richard It is
1: a great swing so you should look at it on
0: Twitter. Mr. Richard, you know, I know he likes to sometimes I know he likes to come to Florida, right? In the St. Pete area and he likes yeah. to work out at uh our friend's academy. Yeah. Um Stance Doctor Steve I call him. Our buddy Steve. So yeah, Richard, I true. you know, me personally, I don't live too far from St. Pete, only about 20 minutes. I'll be glad yeah. to ride over a jet ski right over to Stance Doctor and we can talk about hitting All day long. Yeah.
1: And I know he's super knowledgeable with it, but there's just no reason to be confrontational. And
0: if, and if not rich, then I'll ride my jet ski anyway.
1: Yeah. You're a big jet ski guy. huh? (laughs) Uh,
0: Final topic. um, Final point to our topic today. Episode 108 coaching amateur hitters. Um, How, what advice would you give parents coaching their amateur hitters? It's not very, it's not, you know, this It's not easy coaching your, your Mm -hmm. own kid.
1: No, it's it's, it's uh, find the one thing that's most important. Mm-hmm. Find the one thing that's going to help your kid right now, because they'll get instant results and then you got them. For instance, I took Vivian fly fishing for the first time and uh, fly fishing, I didn't catch a fish for a couple months and, <laughs> and it's very frustrating, but I took her to a spot where I felt like we could catch fish, like at the right time. She caught her first fish, she's hooked, she's happy, she will do it again. Okay, so as it pertains to a baseball player, typically young kids, the reason they struggle is one of two reasons. One, they stride really late after the ball comes well out of the hand. What does that do? That causes them to drop their hands before their front foot hits the ground. So if you can get them to step a little sooner, naturally sooner, not stepping and then just stopping and hanging out there, but if you get them to start moving sooner, and then number one, focus on their upper body. Everybody wants to focus on lower body because you know ground ground force works up and power is derived from there. But but a better, stronger lower body typically doesn't increase your contact rate. It just doesn't because you can just move faster with your legs, but your barrel's still not on plane. So I work upper body, elbows, hands, arms, um, creating a, a a very simple path position. So that they're making contact they're not going to be hitting balls out of the park when they're 10 years old like i don't care anything about it. i don't care what their extra base hits is, hit, hit number is what i care about is them making contact more and as they start making contact they'll start having more fun and if they start having more fun they're going to enjoy the game and if they enjoy the game they're going to practice more and then you can start getting into all the nitty-gritty stuff so what I like to do is start with the upper body to get them to make solid contact. In fact, I got a, I got a note from somebody in the Academy. I don't remember who it was because there's a bunch of people in there, obviously, but it was, this was the best year that, you know, Tommy had, you know, he, he hit, he had way more hits. His on-base percentage was through the roof. He didn't have a lot of power, but I guess that'll come in time. But it's like the kid never got on base last year right and he got on base all time this year so we have to pick and choose and so i explained it hey the power will come we're not trying to just launch balls because he could do that one out of every 10 hits but instead of doing that he's hitting six out of ten right now so let's keep him engaged and keep him going so all that kind of stuff that's where i start upper body swing plane get them making contact then we can get crazy with ground force and exploding lower bodies and more rhythm to get players to generate a little
0: bit more bat speed. Next week, episode 109. Uh we're talking about plan and approach, more of the mental side. I'm looking forward to that. A plan and approach. Developing a plan and approach at all ages, amateur, college professional. Um We'll be talking about that episode 109 next week. I want to promote cross-functionality with um, University of Alabama. a former national champion at the University of Alabama. Although, I don't know if you're ever a former national champion, right? It's like a former World Series winner, you know, or former MVP. You can't take that title away. So, um, softball national champion Cassie Riley-Bosha and I do a podcast every week, um, cross-functionality episode three, where we are discussing her journey um, in her freshman year at the University of Alabama, winning a spot, of course, uh, in the outfield in the starting lineup, uh, the opening day in the spring of 2009. So, talk about that. Please subscribe to that podcast. What do you got, sir, coming up at the lab?
1: That's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. When you get that kind of current player, you know, today's generation trying to trying to crack a lineup. I hear it all the time. You know uh-huh. how are we gonna how are we gonna be a team player and take somebody's job? yeah that's a tough one uh the lab i'm going to be down next month we're going to do a really cool overall assessment almost like a combine thing for our lab members with uh kind of what we talked about today with the k vest and the rap soto and the blast and the hit tracks and and create data points for everybody and figure out where we can get better Um, that's kind of what we're going to do and then create training plans based on our findings so that'll be the next big event when i make it down there next month so look for that for sure on the website the labbcs.com
0: and for those not watching ep just Put that did, plug ep just did a big uh a big, he opened his jaw very wide and was very happy with himself but you still what's the phone number
1: www.thelabbcs.com
0: <laughs> All right. Find us, too, on Instagram, Jim Tara, and at uh, hitting on Twitter. Instagram, I think I got everything. We're 46 minutes in. Let's let's get on out of here. Episode 109 next week. Um, having a plan and approach. Thank you for listening and watching this week, and we will indeed talk to you next week. Have a great week. Week, 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 week. Enough with the week.